Church family, I ask you to open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah chapter 9. And as you make your way there, I've got some uh, uh, exciting news to share with you about some things coming up here at Enon. Uh, as you know, one of my main responsibilities that's given to me as the senior pastor is to lead and expand our ministry team here at our church to meet our growing needs alongside our personnel team. And uh, one of the positions that we've all been praying and about adding and seeking the Lord's leading on has been the hiring of a associate minister to music. This person would primarily oversee the worship ministry for our students, our young adults, and assist with our kids' worship as needed. He would also assist Brother Ken on Sunday mornings and throughout our entire worship ministry. At Enon, one of the things that we love most here is we love to praise and worship the Lord. And there's so many ways that this person could add value uh, to our team. We want to give you an update today that we believe the Lord has led us to the right man for the job. And as we met and talked to this person about their passions and their giftings, uh, we found out that not only did they feel led to do music ministry, but also had a great heart for the next generation. And uh, so this person is not only going to help us in music, but is also going to help lead our college and grads ministry, uh, which is such a crucial ministry to help lead and expand uh, that. He's interviewed with myself, myself and Brother Ken, our personnel team, and our entire deacon body, all of which have expressed 100% approval of us presenting him to the church to be called as our new Associate Minister of Music in college and grads. Now, for the sake of confidentiality, because this person is serving at another church, we will not release his name until January 2nd, which that's very hard for me. I stink at keeping secrets. Uh, but... On January 2nd, we'll release his name, and on Sunday morning, January the 9th, we will present him to the church uh, for a voice uh, vote. And then on Saturday, January 8th, we're going to do a, a, a little refreshment time and an opportunity for you to ask this person questions and get to know them and their family a little bit better. Now, we have more positions that we're excited about filling in the days ahead here as we build our ministry team to help us reach more people for the gospel and also to reach uh, those of us and create greater disciples among our church. But I'm excited about calling this man in this capacity. Now, we're able to do this today because of your faithfulness to give, to bring your tithes and offerings. And for that, we praise the Lord and we celebrate your obedience. But this morning, I want to give you an update on that. So can we give the Lord a hand and praise the Lord for this exciting days in the life ahead here at Enon. So with that being said, let's look at our text today. If you've been joining us this Christmas season or if you're not for the first time, we've been taking time walking through Isaiah chapter 9 which is a prophecy that was written about 750 years before Jesus was born about the coming Savior. And it speaks a lot about what this Savior would do, but it also speaks about who He would be. It offers four names to help us understand what this Savior would be. The reason why it's so important for us to know who Jesus is this Christmas season is because it informs us about who He wants to be in your life. These four names that are given here in Isaiah chapter 9 are not just uh, informational, they're also invitational. It is as if God was saying through the prophet 750 years before Jesus would arrive to say, this is who I am coming to be, don't miss me. So with all that being said, this Christmas we've been saying over and over again that if, if we do well this Christmas season to sing songs, to decorate, to meet with family and friends, to open and receive gifts. We, if we do all those things well, which there's nothing wrong, praise God for that. But if we do those things well, but we miss interacting with Jesus, 
We miss connecting with our Savior, then we've missed what Christmas was all about. Thus far in this series, we've talked about Isaiah 9 saying that Jesus would be our wonderful counselor, which meant he was a God that was for us, who was near us, and who is above us. Last Sunday, we talked about God being our mighty God, the one who can fill the empty, free the captives, heal the broken, and save the lost. If you haven't had a chance to listen to these messages, I encourage you, you can go online and listen to them. But today, we're going to look at the third name that the prophet gives that our Savior would be, which is Eternal Father, or as the Hebrew rendering actually renders it better, Everlasting Father. So look with me, Isaiah chapter 9, beginning at verse 6. It says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. The title of our message today is The Gift of an Everlasting Father This Christmas. Now we think about the word father. It's hard to overstate the importance of the role of a father in the life of a child. It can be clearly seen in the negative results that often go along with those who grow up in fatherless environments. Some statistics to back that up say that 90% of runaway or homeless children are from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts are from fatherless households. And the percentage of minors in prison who grew up without a father, think about this, the percentage of minors who are in prison today who grew up without a father is 85%. If these stats mean anything to us today, it means that having a father matters. When you have a father who loves you, you're more likely to thrive, more likely to succeed versus those without active fathers in their lives who would often find themselves in bad situations. Now this should say many things to us here today. First, it should call us men who are fathers. It should call us to be sobered by the importance that we play in the life of the next generation. Most every thriving society in the world has championed the importance of the role of a father which gives evidence to the design of God written on the hearts of humanity, even though in recent days our society has intentionally diminished the patriarchal role to our own demise. Church family, society may say that fathers do, do not matter, but the scriptures and statistics say that they do. The second thing that these stats should speak to us here today, especially concerning our text in Isaiah 9, is the fact that God chose to liken himself as a father that was coming to the earth through our Savior. According to Isaiah chapter 9, Christmas was about God sending a Savior to the world to be a father to his people. And not a father like any mortal fathers, but an eternal father, an everlasting father, a father forever. The prophet's use of the word everlasting is intended to show him as a divine father who's not bound by time or lifespan, yet at the same time he uses the word father, it is intended us to remind us of the important role that he would play in our lives. A role that all of us know that we vitally need. Just like we need an earthly father, the scripture reminds us here today that we needed a heavenly father. Now church, let me take a moment real quick to address something before we go any farther. I want to say that I know that some of you here this morning may have never had an earthly father. Or maybe you never had an earthly father that was a blessing to you. If this is true, while it may be more statistically, you may be more statistically prone to negative experiences in your life, I have seen time and time again that if God is a heavenly father to you, 
through his spirit, through his word and his church, he can step in and fill the place of an earthly, missing, earthly father. Now, all of some of you here today, when we talk about a father, you are grieving the loss of an earthly father. This Christmas is hard for you this season because you are missing one who is gone. In either case today, this text and this Christmas reminds us that Christmas is about God bringing a heavenly father that many of us need to know today. So that being said, I want to give you a few truths today to remember this Christmas about Jesus being our everlasting father. If you're keeping notes this morning, our first truth is this. First, this Christmas, we can be reminded that our Savior came to bring us the love of a father. This Christmas, we can be reminded that our Savior came to bring us the love of a father. Now, one of the most foundational aspects of the role of a father is to provide love for his children. We see this all throughout Scripture. Psalms chapter 103, verse 13, the psalmist spoke about the love of an earthly father to illustrate the love of God. It says, just as a father has compassion, that word in the Hebrew can be translated as love. So just as a father has love on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, you see the importance and the the modeling of a father loving his child as we see the heavenly father loving Jesus at his baptism. This is what it says. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This was God saying, this is my son and I love him. This should remind us here today as fathers, our children need to hear us say that we love him. If the heavenly father speaks to the son that he loves him, so should we. The love of the father towards his children is one of the first and most essential roles for a father. If a father gives discipline but doesn't give love, the children can be hurt. If a father gives advice but doesn't give love... The children can become rebellious. And if a father gives provision, if he provides for his family, but he doesn't give love, the children can become angry. Saying, Father, you gave me everything that I needed except that which I needed the most, which was love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 13, Paul spoke about the primacy of love and saying, but now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. So what does it look like today to be loved by your everlasting Father this Christmas? What does it mean for God to love you? Now to answer this question, the first question we've got to ask is, what is love? I'm sorry, I can't hear that without hearing that song. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Anyway, sorry. We've got to ask the question though, what is love? Well, the best place to look to answer that question is within the Scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. I read this at every wedding I perform, but it's Paul speaking under the inspiration of the Spirit. What is love? He says, love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things. Believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. Now when theologians try to describe characteristics of like the love of God, they use terms like communicable and incommunicable attributes. 
A communicable attribute of God is something that we can relate to. We understand it to a point. Not at the depth and the extent that God uh, does, but we understand it to a point. Like, like compassion or, or like uh, being angry. The Bible says that God is compassionate. The Bible says that God gets angry. We understand those things. Now, not at the same level that God does, but we can relate to that to some aspect. Those are communicable attributes. Incommunicable attributes are the things that are truly God. We have no, we can't even begin to understand, like His sovereignty and His infiniteness. However, love is something that we can understand to. It's something we can relate to. So as Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 13, what love looks like in the heavenly realm, it's actually just a dim picture of what love would look like in a heavenly realm, what it would look like for the Father to love us. We can gauge to a point through 1 Corinthians 13 about what does it look like for our heavenly Father to love us well. And there's a few thoughts that come to mind from that passage. This Christmas, your everlasting Father means that He loves you in a patient way. The Bible says that love is patient, meaning God doesn't give up on you or get frustrated with you when you're struggling. He is patient towards you. How many of us here today are thankful for a God who is patient towards us today? This Christmas, your everlasting Father loves you in a kind way, according to Scripture. It means He is gracious, compassionate. He is tender towards us. This Christmas, your everlasting Father loves you in a selfless way. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, Love does not seek its own. There's no greater picture of that than seen in the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. That He gave of Himself so that we may live. He stepped out of light into darkness so that those of us living in darkness could step into light. This Christmas, your everlasting Father loves you in a forgiving way. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, Love keeps no record of wrongs. Meaning your loving Father doesn't judge you by yesterday's failures. His mercies are new each morning. Now, as I was praying and preparing this message for this morning, I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to pause here for a moment. Some of you here today, you want to experience Jesus this Christmas. You want to walk into the presence of God, but maybe you feel like you are unworthy because of past failures and mistakes. Let me say this to you here today, that absolutely God does see our sin. The Bible says that He hates sin. But at the same time, the Bible says that He's a loving, compassionate, and merciful God. And that if we will repent of our sin, the Bible says He is faithful and just to forgive us for our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Don't go into this Christmas season and miss Jesus because a lie from the enemy says that you are unworthy. Your heavenly Father loves you in a forgiving way. And then finally, this Christmas, your heavenly Father, your everlasting Father, loves you in a way that will never let you down. Love never fails. I remember hearing a story about a dad. He was swimming off the Gulf of Mexico with his two children. He was holding one of his uh, children that was a toddler, and he was swimming with one of his uh, elementary age little girls. And uh, as they were swimming, they got taken out by the undertow, and he, was, he grabbed the little girl, and they fought for, seemed like, you know, forever, trying to, to make his way back to the shore. The harder he fought, the, the further it just kind of pulled him away, till finally he realized that there was no way he could bring them all to the shore. So he looked at his older little girl and he said, Baby, you know how Daddy, when he taught you how to, to, to swim, taught you how to lay on your back and float? She said, Yes, sir. He said, Baby, I need you to lay on your back and float. And you float, Daddy's going to swim to the shore with Brother. And once I get to the shore, Brother, I promise you that I'm going to come back and I'm going to bring you out of this. I'm going to rescue you. But all you've got to do right now, you don't have to worry about anything else, is just believe me that Daddy's coming back for you and that you can float until Daddy comes back. So she said, Yes, sir. And she started to float. 
He grabbed the toddler and he started to swim and make his way to shore. By the time he got to shore, he was completely exhausted, barely making it himself and the toddler. He found rescue people and started to make phone calls in the Coast Guard and people started to come up and they started looking for this little girl. But hours went by without being able to find her. Just before dark, as the sun was fading, they heard he was on one boat. They heard from another boat that they had found her and she was still floating in the water. As they brought dad to that boat, dad jumped out of that boat, jumped in the boat with his little girl, and he just wrapped her up and just picked her up and said, baby, you did such a good job. Daddy is so proud of you. You floated for for several hours. Daddy is so proud of you. And the little girl just looked at him with this very innocent look on her face. She said, daddy, I knew that I could float because you said that you were coming back. See, she knew that she could count on her father. Can I say something to you this morning, church? When we talk about the love of an everlasting father, that's not the the love of a father that is distant. That's not the love of a father that sometimes fails or makes mistakes. It's not the love of a father that never showed up or not the love of the father that was abusive. It's the love of a father that you can count on, that is trustworthy, that you can take to the bank. And can I say something else to you here today? And this passage speaks about love that never fails. When we see that at Christmas, that God in His became flesh and came to this earth in the form of of human flesh, was born there at Christmas, reminds us that our Savior came once. Can I say something to you here this morning? Our Savior is coming back again. And we can float until He shows up. Amen? So the first thing we remember here today is that this Christmas, our everlasting Father brought us love. And the love of a father. The second truth this morning about our everlasting father is that secondly, this Christmas we can be reminded that our Savior came to bring us the instruction of a father. My love is clearly the main, first main function of a father. Instruction is also a foundational responsibility of a father. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, the Apostle Paul gives a challenge to fathers about their primary responsibility to instruct their children, saying, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, how does our Father, our Heavenly Father, instruct us? Well, first, it's two aspects. It is teaching and discipline. The first aspect of instruction is teaching. Teaching is the function of a father telling their children what they need to know about living life in a God-honoring way. It is bringing them up in the instruction of the Lord. Fathers, today we can't expect our children to know how to do what is right and honor God in this life without us having taught them. And if there's anything you hear from me this morning, dads, we need to, be, we need to remember here today that society and culture will gladly teach our children and they are attempting and regularly teaching our children, but they will not teach our children what is right and wrong according to God. That will only come from you. The second aspect of instruction is discipline. Paul says here in Ephesians chapter 6 that fathers are to bring their children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The discipline of a child means to correct a child from doing the wrong things in such a way that it is understood that an offense has taken place and that it would not be desirable to attempt that again. By the way, we need to time out on that for a minute. What is discipline? It's it's to to make sure that everybody knows it was wrong, but then there's got to be some level of teeth to that to say that it would not be desirable for you to do that again. Scripture makes it clear that it is the primary job of the parents, parents to discipline their children with the father taking the greatest responsibility to make sure that it takes place. That doesn't mean that mothers can't teach and that mothers can't discipline their children. I assure you, Kimberly Reno teaches and disciplines our children. 
But it is my responsibility as the father, as the head of my household, to make sure that that is taking place. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24, speaks of the father being the one who disciplines, saying, He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. While Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, Paul is speaking to the primary function of earthly fathers, which is certainly useful to all of us as parents here today. The same aspects, though, are true all over Scripture about how our Heavenly Father treats us, which is ultimately made available to us through Jesus, our everlasting Father, which is what we celebrate this Christmas. Because of Christmas, we are blessed to have a Heavenly Father who will teach us and discipline us. Church, we need to know today and celebrate that Christmas brought us a Savior who is also our Father, who is also our Teacher. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 13, another prophecy of the coming Messiah speaks of a God who will teach his children, saying, All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the presence of your children, the peace of your children. Church family, I want you to know that I pray this passage regularly for us here at Enon. It's one of my prayer cards. I pray that we would be a church that is taught, that our children are taught regularly of the Lord. From our families, that mamas and daddies, that we are teaching our children, but that through the Holy Spirit of God, they are personally experiencing Jesus. That they are being taught of the Lord. But that becomes a possibility because of Christmas. Because God became a father, because he became a savior, he has the ability to teach, to step in the lives of his people. If Jesus is your teacher, you have the greatest as far as intellect is concerned because he has been here since since the beginning. There's nothing that he doesn't know. If Jesus is your teacher, he knows how best to prepare you for the future and any tests that you may have because he knows the future because the Bible says that he is before all things. He stands at tomorrow and looks back into today. And if Jesus is your teacher, you should celebrate because we all know that the best teachers are those who genuinely care about their students' well-being. And there's no one on this earth or in the heavens that cares for you more than your everlasting Father. And then church, we need to know and celebrate today that Christmas brought us a Savior who is also a Father who is also there to discipline us as part of His instruction. Now, the Bible makes it clear that God disciplines His children as a loving Father. It's one of the things we should celebrate This Christmas, God gave us a Father who disciplines us. We usually don't like to celebrate that, but it is something we should celebrate. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 7 through 11, speaks a lot about the disciplining work of God in the lives of His children. Listen to me carefully as we read this passage. Hebrews 12, beginning at verse 7. It says, It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom the Father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seems best to them. But He disciplines us for our good, so that we may share in His holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful. Can I get an amen for that? But sorrowful, yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Now there's so much we could celebrate in this passage about the disciplining work of God. We could talk about the fact that discipline from God is the marker of a true Christian. 
If God is truly your heavenly father, your everlasting father this Christmas, you can gauge that by the amount of the discipline of God in your life. If we can live consistently doing and acting and participating in the things that are not of God and feel no conviction, no sin, no brokenness in our hearts and lives over that, then something is amiss in our lives and our relationships with God. We could talk about what discipline looks like from this text. We could talk about the beauty of what discipline brings in this passage, how it brings the peaceful fruit of righteousness. However, as it pertains to us celebrating this Christmas, our everlasting Father, the discipline of our Father should remind us that we are His. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7 says, For it is, it is for discipline that you endure, for God deals with you as sons. Our loving Father disciplining us should remind us that we are His children. Now all of us who are parents who discipline our children, we've been put in the place of having to discipline our children for doing things that their friends or acquaintances may also be doing, but they may not be disciplined for it, or their parents may look the other way. This was the case recently for Kimberly and I. We were about to discipline one of our children, and in that moment our child looked at us and said, why am I getting punished when my friend was doing it too and they won't be? My response was this. First, I'm not that child's parent, but I'm yours. And we have a standard in our home, and you broke it, and you knew you were wrong, and it is my responsibility to make sure you learn from this. Now, they may not appreciate it in the moment, but my child will know two things after that has taken place. First, They will know what is right and wrong and what is expected in our home. And then secondly, that child will know that they are mine. This Christmas, we celebrate God giving us not some distant emotional father that is inactive in the lives of his children, but one who is active, one who has a standard, one who enforces that standard in the lives of his children. This may be sobering for us as children, but it should also be reassuring to us today. Because every time that I feel the disciplining hand of God in my life, I'm reminded that God is in my life. Every time I feel the disciplining hand of God in my life, I'm reminded that I matter to God. Every time that I sense God rebuke me, it is a reminder that He loves me and claims me as His own. Because He's not a distant Father, He is an everlasting Father that I can celebrate this Christmas. So this Christmas, we can celebrate God giving us an everlasting Father who loves us, who loves us enough to instruct us and discipline us. And then finally, this Christmas, we can be reminded that our Savior came to bring us the blessings of a Father. You know, one of the last primary functions of a Father that we'll address today is how a Father wants to bless His children. The Scripture speaks about this. The same is true with our everlasting Father. Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 11, Jesus uses God, the God-given desire for earthly fathers to do good for their children to illustrate His goodness as a heavenly Father to us. It says, What man is there among you whom when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish will give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give what is good to those who ask? You know, this shouldn't surprise us this morning that every good father wants to give good things to their children. And that's not always material things, by the way. As we celebrate this Christmas, a lot often the, what our children need the most is they need the, the time, they need teaching, they need us telling them about Jesus. Often it's not that, that we, it's not 
our love of our children is not measured by how much we spend on our kids, but how much time we spend with our kids. But even that being the case, fathers, we love to bless our children. I remember growing up in this area, my dad was a bread man, worked for Flowers Baking Company, and and there were times when my older brother and I would have to go to work with, my, with our dad. And so we would leave at you know, 4.30 in the morning. We'd make our way to Finley Boulevard over to this warehouse. And, and we would sleep in the truck on the way over there. And, and I remember walking in this bread house. And you've never smelled. It's got to be what heaven smells like. To step into a, a warehouse that's the size of three or four football fields. That the bread had just been delivered from the bakery. And the, 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 the loaves of bread were sweating on the inside of the bags. And uh, you would step into that smell. But then he would step over to the rack where the honey buns were. Now, come on, get an amen for some honey buns, okay? And the honey buns were still warm from the bakery. And inside the plastic bag, the glaze had not even settled on them yet. It was like they were in a wet pack. And if you, if you grabbed them too quick on the bottom, they would pop right out of the top. And I, I remember we were so excited about going to work with our dad because we got a warm honey bun breakfast. And when we would eat those things and just talk about how wonderful they were, our dad would just stand off to the side and smile. He would smile because it was a blessing to us. And it was a blessing to him to be a blessing to us. When we celebrate God sending us a Savior, an everlasting Father, we're celebrating a Father who wants to bless his children, wants to be good to his children. And it blesses him to know that we are blessed. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, though, speaks about the uniqueness of the blessings that God gives us. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This Christmas, as we all look at all the gifts that we may receive under the trees and in the stockings, we need to be sure to take moments and recognize the value of the spiritual blessings that have been given to us by our everlasting Father. Because of Jesus this Christmas, we've been given the blessings of His mercy on the cross. Because Jesus came knowing from the beginning of time that he was coming to give his life life as a sacrifice for sin, we can celebrate an everlasting Father who loved us enough to give us his Son. Because of Jesus this Christmas, we can celebrate the truth that he has given us his Word. Because of Jesus this Christmas, we can celebrate the blessing that he's given us his Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God that leads and empowers and speaks to His people. Because of the blessings of our everlasting Father, we've been given the privilege to be able to approach Him in prayer. Jesus was the one in Matthew chapter 6 when He was speaking about prayer. He inaugurated a new relationship with God that was was astounding to the people of that day when He said, Pray in this way, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Your name. I remember having a friend of mine in high school. He was a minister and he prayed in that way when he prayed it was kind of weird at first when he would go to pray he would say dad or daddy and he would talk to God in that way and it, remember it took a moment for me to recognize that until the first time that I got to hear a, a, a foreign child speak in that way that if you go to Israel or you go to different places where they use the same word that we see in scripture that says we we can now come to him and say Abba father you see these little children running along the street saying Abba 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 they're saying daddy Scripture invites us through our Heavenly Father to come and say, Dad, here I am. Daddy, here I am. Because of that, we can talk to Him. I think about that hymn, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. What blessings do we have that we have a Savior that we can share our greatest struggles with. 
I'm speaking with a friend of mine I was working out with this last week, and we were talking about the hardships that we had endured in life. It was such an encouragement to have my friend look at me and say, you know, moments like that, we are so reminded and so thankful that we're just pilgrims. That this home is not our forever home, that we've got a forever home waiting on us, that Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you may be also our Father is going to prepare a place for us. We can celebrate that today, this Christmas, because of our everlasting Father. Before we dismiss today, I want to show you a very quick video. And it's something that you may be familiar with, a child being surprised by a great gift this Christmas. And then we're going to dismiss. So I want to ask you to turn your attention towards the screen. Three-year-old Kensley Penny promises this year she's been a good girl. She does just what Grandma asks. Go, Kinsley, a kiss. And kisses her special American doll with Dad's picture every night. And when we go to bed at night, do we say prayers for Daddy? Uh-huh. Kensley's hoping these good deeds will be enough for Santa Claus to give her the two special requests she has this Christmas. I asked her if she wanted a new doll stroller for Christmas, and she said no. I said, well, what do you want? She said, I don't know yet. And we were out at Walmart one day, and she said, I want a truck and my daddy. Sing it for me one more time. Send a baby and daddy home to me. Her daddy is Sergeant Scott Penny, and he's been serving in Afghanistan since March. It's been hard on Mom April, but especially tough on little Kensley. How much do you miss your daddy? How much? Sure, again. That much? Luckily, the Santa here at Pine Hills Church has a lot of elves working for Kensley. Her wish has already been approved by the North Pole and the Pentagon, and it's about to come true. Okay. Who is that? That's your daddy. Would you like to go see your daddy? She always says, you know, Lord, take care of my daddy and bring him home. And so this was something we really wanted to do for her for Christmas. So first off, let's just praise the Lord for that. Isn't that, isn't that great? Um, it makes me take a moment and just be so thankful for all of our men and women who serve in uniform and so thankful for all of those who have served. There's a lot of families like that this Christmas. But you know, I saw that video this last week and I was just thinking about what this text said 700 years before Jesus would arrive, that he's coming to be an everlasting father. You know, if you know anything about the story of Scripture, God's great narrative is that in the beginnings that we walked in nearness with God. It says Adam and Eve walked with God in the coolness of the evening. But then sin fractured and separated that relationship. But at the very beginning, though, God gave a prophecy right there at the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 3, he said, through her seed, speaking of the seed of Eve, he said, I will crush the head of Satan. It's the only place in Scripture that you see any mention to the her seed. And it's it's actually a prophetic picture of a virgin birth. That God was one day going to bring about a Savior to crush the head of brokenness. And then all throughout Scripture, you see the prophets and you see stories of God speaking of a Savior, speaking of Messiah. But then you get to the book of Malachi. Even the last few words of the book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, there's a prophecy about God will come one day. He's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to the fathers. He's going to mend a relationship between fathers and sons. 
He wasn't just speaking about a physical relationship. He's speaking about an earthly relationship. He's speaking about a heavenly relationship. And then 400 years of silence. 400 years throughout Scripture where God seemed to be silent. The people of God were waiting and they didn't know what was being said. Had God abandoned us? Had God left? But then suddenly, in a little small village, in an obscure place called Nazareth, God steps into the life of a young Jewish girl and says to her, Through you, through you, I will bring a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Ultimately, through you, I'm going to bring the Father. The picture was, is that God was bringing the Father home. This Christmas, what is Christmas about us? It's God bringing a Father back to us. It's God bringing a Father to us. And this morning, I would say to you here this today, if you don't know Jesus this morning, if you don't know what it means to be in a relationship with a heavenly Father, to be blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, if you can hear anything else I say today, hear this, that it's the greatest gift you could ever receive. If this morning, if you just give your life to Jesus, if you'd say, I want to follow you, Jesus, I want to know you, he can save you right there where you are today. He can do an incredible, life-changing work in your life if you'd call out to him. I invite you right there where you are. Maybe just to bow your head, close your eyes just for a few seconds. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, hear me. Not as a pastor, not as a preacher, but just as a man in whom Jesus has redeemed. I want to ask you this question here today. If you don't know your heavenly Father, you can know Him right there where you are. By faith, call out to Him. Pray a prayer like this. Say, dear Jesus, I don't know you, but I want to know you. I believe you came into this world to pay the penalty for my sin. I was separated from you, but I believe that you died, that I may know you. So Jesus, I ask you, will you become my heavenly Father? Will you save me? With every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to ask you this question. If that was you here today, if you asked Jesus to save you, just between... You and I, would you just glance up at me? Right there where you are. Maybe you'd just glance up here today, amen. Anybody else here today, you say, Brother Zach, that was me this morning. I asked Jesus to save me. Would you just look up and keep, just keep, keep your eyes on me just for a moment here this morning, amen. Others here today, Pastor Zach, you said that was me, amen. Others, we look around this room today. Praise God for that. Praise the Lord that you called out to Him to save you. I would say this this morning, if that was you, and there's a couple of ways that you can let somebody know that. You do need to let somebody know that. Is that our pastors will be up front here in just a few moments. They'd love, I invite you to come down this morning. We'll celebrate that with you. At the conclusion of the service, I'll be out this door to the left at a little welcome center. I'd love for you to come let me know that. Or at the very least, take that little connect card, the seat back in front of you, and just mark on that, that I gave my life to Christ today. You could put that in one of these connection boxes as you leave. Or maybe tell a family member or friend that you came with. Just say, I gave my life to Jesus today. And we can help you figure out what those next steps are. But you made the most important step there this morning. Secondly, I'd say to everyone who's a follower of Jesus this Christmas. Do you feel far from your Father? Do you feel far from your Heavenly Father? Christmas reminds us that Jesus walked into the room. Maybe you'd be like that little girl and you'd just run to your father. Maybe you need to do that today. Say, Jesus, I feel far from you. I just want to seek you this morning. Call out to him right there where you are. Jesus, would you just draw close to me again? Here I am. 
And I believe the Lord will answer that right there where you are. I'm going to ask our ministers to come. They're going to stand up front. If you need somebody to pray for you, if you'd like to join this church this morning, if we can pray for you in any way, you feel free to come as we sing. But I encourage you, take this moment to spend some time with Jesus there today. Father, we love you this morning. We praise you. Thank you for speaking to us today. Thank you for being our everlasting Father. And I pray, oh Lord Jesus, would, would we as your people draw near to you? And I praise you, God, for those who called out today that said they gave their life to you. I pray, God, that they would make that public in some way. Come let somebody know or write it on a card. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for being so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? Let's sing together. You feel free to come as we sing.